without compassion, you actually can't do anything. And, and here is why. So in order for us to make our dreams come true or in order for us to do anything that's like different and, and um, out of our realm of comfort, it requires us to really understand on a deep level that we're probably gonna fail at some point along the way. Maybe not fail the entire dream, but the like, oh, that person we wanted to partner with or that thing we did or that first launch we had or that first podcast we did. We just have to, you have to understand that failure is how we innovate, right? Failure and making mistakes is a big part of the process. Welcome to On the Cusp of Something Beautiful, a podcast for conscious creatives who are on the journey to reconnect with their authentic soul self. I'm your host, Mikolay Imani, and this podcast is simply a guide to welcome you back to your truest self. Each week, you'll be hearing stories from creatives across all paths, sharing their lessons, their wins, and how following their intuitive guidance has allowed them to show up authentically. Along with guest episodes, I'll be sharing my own creative journey, as well as the personal wisdom and insight I receive from my spirit guides and cosmic team. I believe that when we reconnect to our soul essence, we are able to show up more authentically in the world, and with that comes a deeper connection to our creativity and abundance. My hope is that you hear something today that reminds you of who you are and why your gifts, whatever they may be, are valuable and important to be shared with the world. So welcome home, friend. I hope you're ready to meet your highest, most beautiful and rarest self. Hello, beautiful beings. Welcome back to another episode of On the Cusp of Something Beautiful. I hope you all are well and in good spirits. Um, I am recording this at six o'clock in the morning. I'm actually watching the sunrise and it's pretty freaking gorgeous right now. I just went outside to take pictures. So I was like, what is happening to the sky? Um, but <laughs> yes, I hope you all are well and in good spirits. Um, I also cannot believe that it is August. Like where did July go? Like July just disappeared. It was June and then it was July 4th and now it's August. <laughs> that's, that's what it feels like. I'm sitting here like, what happened to July? Where, where did she go? So it's time is moving so fast. So, so, so fast. It's crazy. Okay. This week's hot track come. Oh <laughs> yeah. just kind of threw that in there. So what I've decided to do is instead of just, you know, telling you all about, you know, what playlist to go listen to, I figured it'd be really nice to, um, like highlight a song off of the playlist. And, um, so I, I did do this last week, but, but now I have like a name for it. So this is, this is, uh, the hot track this week. <laughs> and it comes from Hannah Faith's Odyssey playlist on SoundCloud. And the song that I want to highlight off of that playlist is called Lost My Mind by Will Van Horn. Uh, the song I highlighted last week was also off this playlist. So it's it's a really good playlist. And this song is such a groove and the guitar is a, such a vibe. It's so crazy because I don't think I've said it on the show, but a really good friend of mine, Evie Zhang, who was like one of my first guests on the show, uh, she's also a musician and, or yeah, musician and, uh, and, uh, and a singer songwriter, but she gave me her electric guitar <laughs> when I went to go visit her 
um, in Austin. She was like, here, girl, here you go. I was like, uh, thank you. <laughs> and that bad boy came right back to, to New Mexico with me. So anywho, all that to say, whenever I hear a really dope guitar solo, it just gets me really excited to start learning how to play the guitar. Uh, but back to the hot track. So it's called Lost My Mind by Will Van Horn. Go and check that out on Apple Music and Spotify and all the other streaming platform girls. Like I mentioned earlier, the, the playlist as a whole is so fantastic. And it's become a part of my morning routine, my daily routine. I listen to this to this playlist at least twice a day. So again, <laughs> go and check out those two gyms. Speaking of gyms, I have an Instagram account. I literally just remembered, like that word just triggered me. I just remembered that I have a I have an Instagram account with the word gyms in it. And this this so this Instagram account is solely dedicated to um sharing music and and this was from like a couple of years ago I don't update it anymore but it's all the music that I was listening to at the time that I wanted to like uh call out or whatever and so it was originally called your music crush uh because someone had once said that to me this guy I went to high school with I used to share songs I was listening to on Facebook and um so he saw I guess he was seeing them and he was like I I um or he commented one day, he was like, I think, I think you're my music crush. And I had never heard that before. And I was like, huh, I love that. <laughs> uh, so I kind of always kept that in the back of my mind. So when I was thinking about like, what am I going to name this, this, this uh, Instagram account that kind of came through, but I changed the name to what it is now. And it's, um, what is it? Oh, Gym Tones. It's called Gym Tones. I think, and I think there's a period in between Gym and Tones. So it's like a play on gemstones and like, you know, finding gems when you're referring to, to like really great uh, music like I did earlier. So I'll post that in the show notes for anyone interested in deep diving into SoundCloud because 98.9% of those songs I found on SoundCloud. So that was a fun fact about me. <laughs> um, no other updates for me except that it's just been a hell of a week, y'all. I don't know how, how y'all been feeling, um, but I have been working late like every night and I'm just like, what, what is going on? What is happening? And this isn't even like our high time, not yet. <laughs> so that's why I'm kind of like, oh shit. <laughs> but I swear ever since the Capricorn full moon in July, shit has just been crazy brazy for me. And, and I know, okay, I know a lot of it is just showing me where I need to create like better structures and systems in my life uh, in order to, to, to just make my life more ease-filled and enjoyable <laughs> because right now it's just feeling a little, a little harsh, a bit, what's the word? Uncomfortable. That's what it feels. It just feels uncomfortable. <laughs> and, uh, and this is my spirit just laid on my heart yesterday as I was like closing down my day for work and I just had like a meditative moment for about 15 minutes I just like went to go lay on my couch and close my eyes and I went inward and I was just asking my guides like y'all what is going on like what like what am I not seeing there's something I'm missing like I need y'all to direct me to where I need to be like if it's more structure send, send me the system send me some something <laughs> like y'all are gonna have to help me so 
that's what I've been going through. <laughs> Just working on figuring that out. Um, so, okay, let's get into this week's guest, Sharin Eskandani. Um, first and foremost, having Sharin on the show was such a massive, 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 huge full circle moment for me. And I am deeply grateful. So Sharin Eskandani is a, a teacher, facilitator, and guide who specializes in mindfulness, mindset, and manifestation. She has been featured um, on the Today Show, the New York Times, Shape, and Cosmopolitan Mag Magazine. And then prior to building her successful coaching business, she was an award-winning opera singer performing at Carnegie Hall and the Metropolitan Opera. She believes that we are all our own healers teachers and leaders. Her mission is to empower others to once again reclaim their innate wisdom and knowledge. Certified by the International Coach Federation, Sharin's holistic approach to transformation is influenced by her background in meditation, spirituality, and the arts. An inspiring and dynamic speaker, Sharin has presented at Alt Summit, Ignite Women Summit, Well Summit, Hill House, and The Assemblage. She is the co-founder of the Glow Up and Brown Girl Brunch and hosts two podcasts, Wholehearted Coaching, the podcast, and Two Girls Talking Shit. <laughs> so I met Sharin at this beautiful healing space in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, <laughs> uh, at this beautiful healing space called Hill House, which was just mentioned, and I've also mentioned on this show several times because it was such a blessing to my life. I found Hill House at the most perfect time because I had just come into my spiritual awakening um, that December, and then I found Hill House in March of the following year. So for that whole span of time, was it like three months? I was just trying to figure this stuff out on my own. Good old Google and some books, articles, podcasts were huge. So anyways... I find Hill House and I look for the next free event they have because, you know, I was still coming from a very, I'd say, predominantly strict Christian background. So I was still like, you know, treading lightly into my spiritual, spiritual journey at this point. So Hill House um, had this panel discussion called, I believe it was called You Are Not Your Story. So I go and check it out. And it was the most nourishing and supportive space I had ever been in at that time, especially since it was mostly black and brown people, not only at the event, but on the panel and Hill House is a black owned, which I didn't know at the time. I later found out as I, as I kept going back to like different events and stuff, but it was just a really safe space. And I say all that to say, Sharon was on the panel discussion that day. And I resonated so, so deeply with her and another woman on the panel. So I told myself, I'm like, okay, when this discussion ends, I am going to make a point to go and speak to both of these women and just say thank you, ask more about, you know, what they do, et cetera. Because at first I was going to just, you know, pop in and bounce. <laughs> I was like, I don't really know what to expect. You know, I'm new to all this. So, you know, let me just go and see what it's given and then I'm going to leave. And so, um... And also because I went by myself too. <laughs> so I was like, just showing up for me was like, check. <laughs> but once I got there, my spirit was just like, no, these these two women really spoke to you. Now now go and speak to them. And so that is how I met Sharon. 
And I shared with her, you know, just about what I was going through with work and not feeling fulfilled. And I remember she said, oh, love, I work with women like you all the time. Here's my card. I have a course that reopens in the summer called Wholehearted Woman, and I'd love to have you in it. So I go home and I do my research. I went to her site and I looked at all the information and I just felt it. I just felt like I need to do this. I need to take this course because I need some support and some guidance. And just a, just a quick side note on that, um, because I really want to stress the importance of finding community when you are transitioning into your self-healing journey. It was so, so, so important for me to have these resources that I could tap into. And it's definitely a different experience, you know, when you're able to in- attend in-person events. I would encourage you to, you know, see, just see what's available to you in your area. But obviously, you know, virtual events can still be just as impactful. So I just wanted to touch on that really quick because I think it's really important. Um, so I signed up for the course and um, praise God I found the coins. <laughs> I think my, like what came through? Something came through and I had like extra money. Uh, I think my taxes had come through. And uh, I just, yeah, I just remember having like what I needed for the deposit. And uh, I was like, great, I have, you know, I have the money and uh, I took the leap of faith. I decided to follow my intuition. I'd never done anything like this before. This was to me like a very serious commitment. Like I felt like I was kind of really putting my stake in the ground and saying, we're going to follow this intuitive path because that's where I keep being led to go, you know, and I just have to trust it. And I am so grateful that I did because being a part of Sharon's course just completely changed my life. And it opened so many just mental and emotional doorways for me. I mean, I could probably do a whole episode of certain points in that course that were really pivotal for me in my spiritual awakening. And it just opened me up to my intuitive gifts in the most beautiful way. It was, it was just like an, like an unfolding. I I keep getting this visual of a rose blossoming, (laughs) but, but that's what it felt like looking, looking back at it now, obviously in the moment, it did not feel like a rose blossoming. It felt very, but (laughs) tis the journey, right? But again, I'm, I'm super grateful to have had that experience. And at that point in my journey between Miriam Hasna and Sharin, they were really, really the catalyst for me on, on my path to self-reclamation um, because this was all happening during my, my self-return. And so I was calling it my, uh, see, I, I just called it my self-return. This was all happening <laughs> during my Saturn return. And I was calling it my self-return because I was realizing that I was just coming back home to myself to my soul, really. So that's why I say it was a full circle moment because I was able to uh, share with Sharin just how much her course has impacted my life. And I didn't even get into the details. It was very high level. (laughs) Um, But yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So grateful to have been able to sit down and have this conversation with Sharin. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sharin Eskandani. Yay, wonderful, wonderful. I'm so excited to have you here and I'm so honored to have you as a guest on the show and to be able to be in conversation with you and just chat and catch up. Um, So I won't talk for too long. I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce yourself, Sharin, tell the people who you are, what you do, and um, yeah, we can go on from there. 
Well, thank you. I am just as honored and thrilled and grateful to be here having this conversation with you. Um, so I'm Sharin Eskandani, and I'm a mindset, mindfulness, and manifestation coach. And I help people create their dream lives, but I also do it in a way, I always say creating your dream life while living your dream life. I think a lot of the times when we think about our dreams, we think about this destination we're getting to, like we're going there, mm. right? And oftentimes we get there and we realize that like, there is no different than here. Like mm -hmm. we still have to deal with taxes. We still like maybe aren't sleeping enough, aren't getting enough steps in, whatever that mm. is. And it's really about shifting our mindsets and also shifting our mindsets, not so that we're able to, to have that feeling of um, awareness that like you are in your dream now, but also like, okay, let's, we can also expand beyond that too, right? Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes people worry if I'm really happy with how my life is, content with how my life is, I'm not going to want to change things. I'm not going to want to mm -hmm. have different or more. And that's just a mindset that we really need to break free from. Mm -hmm. I think it's a mindset that, especially if you are from a historically marginalized community, um, I am a first generation immigrant woman. I am Muslim. I'm a woman of color. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of mindset that like, oh, if I'm really content and if I'm not working hard for things like that, it's just things aren't going to happen for me. And that's something I really had to dismantle in my life. And my life is now a reflection of that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the joy of my life that I get to do that with my clients now. My whole baseline of how we create our lives is about ease and joy and mm -hmm. impact, right? And how do we create all three of those things? Because sometimes we are having amazing impact, right? But our mental health, our physical health, our well-being is suffering. And so how can we bring along joy and ease and all of that amazingness as part of our our dreams. So mm. that's kind of a very long, but also very short way of <laughs> describing what I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I love that you touched on joy because that's, that's definitely something that I want to kind of like dive a little bit deeper into because you're so right, like about just finding joy in the things that we're actually passionate about. Cause it's something that kind of flips when you're passionate about something, you're excited and you're all in, and then you're not getting the results that you're wanting or the expectations are too high or whatever. And that joy and that excitement that you had kind of just flips to disappointment. And this is like, this is taking too long. And like, why does it have to be this hard and all of that? So I, yeah, I definitely wanted to touch on that. Um, but I just wanted to get a little bit more of like your background. So like, how did you go about even like tapping into your business like what was the mindset like where were you what, what space were you coming out of so I I have a pretty interesting background so ever since I was a very young girl I wanted to become an opera singer and I grew up in a really musical family and it was a dream that like my family really supported I was very lucky mm -hmm. even though like we were this like brown family my family was like that sounds great <laughs> um but you know for me singing to me was first of all it was part of my lineage I come from a line mm. of singers um but also it was like where I felt the most joy and the most free and the most myself so mm. like from the age of five like I knew I was like this is what I'm going to do with my life I'm going to become an opera singer and I really um you know I really set myself to make this dream come true and um you know I was a hard worker, like lots of, you know, <laughs> people of color, immigrant children. I had this really strong work ethic and my sense of kind of, you know, I, I didn't feel like I belonged. And so I feel like those of us who don't belong, we create these coping mechanisms 
to, to have that sense of feeling like we are worthy and valued. So for me, the coping mechanisms I developed, like many of us, were things like perfectionism and people pleasing and this like just, oh, like hardworking, I will give 110% attitude mm. to everything, right? And those are really tough coping mechanisms because they're things that are actually really validated and applauded in our society, right? So mm -hmm. many of us, I'm, I'm sure someone's listening to this and they would never have considered that being something like a coping mechanism. You just think, oh, that's part of who I am. It's my personality trait. Right. It's how I got this far. And yes, it does allow us to get very far, but they're not very healthy ways of sometimes being, right? We've seen them manifest in ways that sometimes aren't really best for our well-being. So, so I have this really strong work ethic and I have this really natural gift of singing. And I did my undergraduate degree in Canada, which is where I was mm. raised. Um, and I was kind of like a big fish in a little pond there, right? Like I had this ability to sing and I was a really hard worker and I was getting lots of roles and lots of awards and accolades. And I was just, you know, one of the best. Mm -hmm. And so being one of the best, I was like, well, I'm going to apply to one of the best music schools in North America. So I applied to like Juilliard and Manhattan School of Music and all these different places. And I got accepted to the Manhattan School of Music. So mm -hmm. I moved to New York and I was like, oh my gosh, like the dream is going to come true. I'm going to be this opera singer. I'm going to sing at the Metropolitan Opera. This is going to be amazing. Because that was my dream. My dream was like, you're going to sing at the Met. You're going to sing at the mm. Met. And I got to New York and I thought, okay, just do more of the same. And I realized, oh my gosh, like, I'm not shit. Like everyone here is amazing. <laughs> everyone here is a hard worker. Like everything, everything that I kind of based my identity around, which was being the best and being perfect just started to crumble around me. Like I couldn't mm. be the best. I couldn't be perfect, which also is impossible as a human being, but as, as an, an artistic career is also impossible too, right? It's just such a, such a difficult, it's a subjective thing anyway. So mm -hmm. I got here and I live in New York still, I got to New York and instead of maybe looking inward and being like, mm, maybe to like fix what's happening internally. And I was like, no, I'm just going to double down. <laughs> I'm going to double down on perfectionism and people pleasing and working really hard. And I got really far doing that. So I graduated from my school and I was one of the, one of the few people who graduated who like started working right away. Mm -hmm. I started working all over the world. Like I started working in Europe and Italy and France and in Carnegie Hall in the States, like wow. all over the US and, and Canada. And, you know, from the outside, people were like, oh my gosh, you're like living your dream. Yeah, you're you doing it. it. You're doing it. Like, wow, what are the odds? Like this, she did it. She mm -hmm. look at her. And it was, it was like, this was what I had absolutely dreamed of doing but I was miserable. Mm. I was like living my quote unquote dream life. And I was absolutely miserable. And it wasn't because of what I was doing. It was how I was doing things. Right. And my how was all about like, right. Being perfect and being the best and pushing myself and always focusing on, you know, what I wasn't doing well, as opposed to what I was doing well focusing on the jobs everyone else was getting as opposed to the jobs I was getting right mm -hmm. and so this was really exhausting me and I kind of come to a point where I was like I don't I don't like singing anymore and mm -hmm. so the thing that had once brought me joy and the thing that was like my freedom and and really a sense of gave me a sense of who I was was now the thing that was like giving me the most pain and mm. and right and was the most difficult thing in my life which was a really hard thing to grapple with and 
it was at that point where I was like, well, maybe, maybe I, I shouldn't be doing this, which was like really hard to even think about and talk about. And at that, that was my lowest point. And then I got a call from my agent and he said, Sharin, the Metropolitan Opera wants you to sing in Carmen next year. Oh my God. Right. Like here I am with my lowest questioning everything about like, what am I doing with my life? And I get this call that I'd like literally been waiting for since I was five. Like I'm not even joking. Like I wanted to sing at the Metropolitan Opera since I was like five. Mm. And as a young girl, I'd always imagine this moment. And I would, I would think to myself, oh my gosh, when you get this job, you're going to be so happy. You're going to be so joyful. You're going to be like jumping for joy. Right. And as a young woman who'd moved to New York, I would say to myself, you know, if you ever get this job, you'll know you're good enough. Like you'll know mm. you made it. Mm. And I remember hanging up that phone and realizing I felt none of those feelings. And all I felt was just doubt and insecurity and fear. And all I could think was like, you're not good enough for this. Mm. And also this isn't enough to prove to you that you are good enough, right? And in that moment, I really woke up and I realized that nothing outside of me would ever make me feel the way that I wanted to feel like mm -hmm. no accomplishment, no achievement, whatever make me feel joy or fulfilled or happy or enough that was on me. And I realized I did not know how to create and cultivate those things outside of like what I was accomplishing in my life. Mm -hmm. And so that set me down a path of really figuring my shit out. And so I had a year and a half to prepare for this role. Like I obviously said yes to it. I was mm -hmm. like, of course I'm going to do this role. I had a year and a half to prepare. And in that year and a half, I worked on my voice, but I also worked on my mental and emotional and physical and spiritual health, everything. And I started working with uh, many people, but I started working with a coach and working with her shifted so much for me. It changed so much for me. And I say to this day now that like my biggest accomplishment in life wasn't singing at the Met, but it's singing at the Met and enjoying every part of the process. Mm. Like I was able to enjoy when things did not go well, when things were not okay, when I made a mistake, I was able to take a bow at the end of every performance and really feel like I deserved to be there, right? Mm. Which wasn't something I could ever do in the past. And so that path kind of helped me find my love for singing again, but finding my love for singing again also allowed me to see my career with really clear eyes. And I started to realize, I was like, mm, I don't really know if this is the career for you. Like mm -hmm. just, I was looking at what I really wanted for my life and, and what that could offer. And, and it just didn't align. And so um, I started looking into coaching certifications um, because I really loved the work I was doing with my coach. And yeah, I became certified. And then, you know, I actually just celebrated five years of wholehearted coaching yes, last month. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But of course, like, you know, the first three years of that, I was working as a singer still and, and, you know, I'm coaching. So it was very like this very gradual kind of shift mm. and change where it was like 80% singing, 20% coaching. And then it was like 60, 40, 30, 70. And now it's just full-time coaching. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it was a a fairly smooth transition. There was, of course, lots of moments where I was like, what the heck are you doing? Right. Because just because you love to do something doesn't mean like you're meant to do it. And also mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you're meant to be like a business person. Cause I think that was the biggest like shock for me where I was like, oh crap, like I have my own business. Yeah. What? 
so that was also, you know, of course a learning curve, but, um, but yeah, but now, now I get to do this work that I love to do, which, which is, I'm just so grateful for it. Mm, I love that. That's so beautiful. And I love that you really hit on like the transition, like transitioning into your business. So I started my business last summer and I was not coming from a transitional mindset. I was like, oh, this is it. Here I am. I finally have this thing that I want. It's going to go. <laughs> and yep. it did not go. It, 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 it <laughs> crawled, you know, it like, you know, did a little bit of movement, <laughs> but it wasn't yes. like what I had in my, in my mindset. So I'd love to, for you to maybe expand a little bit of like, how are you able to really stay like present in both and not being like, well, like this thing is never going to take off. And like, it's taking X amount of time. Like what, like, what did you, like, what systems did you have in place to really help you be like, nope, I'm just going to keep trucking away and see where it goes. I think for me, I knew that this was what I wanted to do, but I also had realized that if I just quit my other job, I would be putting so much pressure on this new Mm. thing. And I'd learned so much because of singing. I was, I, I, I learned so well that like when your purpose, well, not sorry, when your passion, we can talk about purpose later because I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> on that. But when yes. your passion becomes your career, um, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. But like shit gets real, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden the thing that you love is your sole source of income. Now you got to manage your bookkeeping and clients and marketing and all this stuff, right? So it kind of loses a little bit of its luster and its sheen. And I'd seen that happen with singing. So I knew with coaching, I was like, I need this transition to be really loving and really kind. And if I know, like to have that mindset, my mindset was never, this is too slow or this is never going to happen. My mindset Mm -hmm. is, this is going to happen. It's going to happen on its own timeline. And I will know right when I'm ready to jump. Cause I think that's, I mean, I this is literally the work I do with clients. So often, so many of my clients come to me wanting to transition careers and I'm not the coach, right? (laughs) I'm not the coach who's going to tell you, quit your job. You'll figure Mm -hmm. it out. I'm like, no, like let's create something that feels comfortable, but also like not too comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's this really beautiful fine line. And I think at the bottom of our hearts, we know when that moment is. And the beauty of, of the work that I get to do is I really want to give you the tools to know when your body is telling you certain things. Cause mm-hmm. I, I believe that we always know best. We know when we're supposed to leave that thing. We know when we're supposed to jump. We know when we're supposed to quit this, whatever, but we don't listen to our body. But also a lot of the facts we don't listen to our bodies because we don't understand what it's trying to tell us. Mm-hmm. There's so many conflicting thoughts and feelings and emotions. And like the very first foundational thing I do with all my clients and all my group programs is like, how can we figure out how your body's communicating to you? How can you figure, because everyone's is very specific. And so mm-hmm. for me in that transition time, it's very much listening to myself, having a good support system, not telling everybody about my dream, because I think that's also not a good thing because mm-hmm. a lot of the people in our lives are going to be worried for us and their worries are projections of their own worries, right? Mm-hmm. And so having that like tight core of people And I, you know, again, when I transitioned, I actually didn't tell people in my um, singing career about my new job because, or my new career, Mm -hmm. because it's so taboo and it's so taboo in like, I think the artistic field for you to be doing something else, because it means you weren't good enough or you couldn't hack it or you couldn't make it. And I was like, I don't want to deal with any of that, even if it's true or not. I don't care. I don't want to. So (laughs) like for me, dreams are like, 
like like little deer, little fawn who are like trying to just stand up. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I just want everyone around me to be like gentle, loving forest creatures while I do this, <laughs> right? Like I don't need the big bad wolf here. So there were a lot of things, but I, I really actually say that it took me that period of time because I also think sometimes, even though we know it's not true, mm-hmm. the way social media is, the way people's stories are crafted, it's like they were an overnight success or mm-hmm. I quit my job and then this happened. I know so many people who have transitioned and they did it gently and kindly. And I think that that actually sets us up for success in our second, third, fourth, fifth thing that we end up doing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I that's that's kind of my thinking when I was going through that period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like I'm kind of in that place now. So I do have a a job. I'm a community manager for um, a photography educational brand. And so now I'm like much more like, you know what, like, let's just build this thing slowly. Let's not put a bunch of pressure on ourselves. And I think that also comes back to that, like perfectionism kind of like mindset, like, okay, like I'm going to do it. It's going to be great. And it's going to hit and it's going to do all these things. And then it doesn't, and you're like, "Uh, what, like, I wasn't planning for this, (laughs) you know? Yes. So I I love what you said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I had a recent post and like, I mean, listen, Instagram, we all know it's just like the algorithm. I was like, this algorithm is like, whatever, this sucks. This Because I was getting like not a lot of views. And then I had a post this week that like went viral. Like, yes. I was like, oh, maybe my content just sucks. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but the point is that I wrote, a, but I think it's because I wrote about what we're talking about right now, which mm-hmm. is about purpose and passion in our careers. And I do not believe our careers are our purpose ever. Like, I don't mm-hmm. even care how much you love your career. Your career mm-hmm. is not your purpose. Your career can be an expression of your purpose, right? Mm -hmm. But I believe there's like three types of jobs. There's a first job that we've all had, but we shouldn't have for too long. The first job is a job that you hate, Mm -hmm. you're not good at, you don't want to be in. We've all had that job, right? But we don't, we shouldn't have that for too long. And then I think there's like two other jobs. And the second job is the job that's like your passion and your purpose and all that stuff. Like when I was a singer, I'm a coach now, like that type of job. Mm -hmm. I think it's really glamorized right now in our world of like serial entrepreneurialism. And it can be really, um, people can really feel like they're missing out if that's not their job, right? Mm. But as we're talking about, like shit can get really real mm. when your passion becomes your career. And listen, the not, like my husband, my husband loves having a nine to five. Mm-hmm. He loves it. He loves that structure. He loves the benefits. He loves that at the end of the day, he can come home. He does not have to think about that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I love that for him. That's not me. Right. But there's the third career, which is the career my husband has, which is kind of what's happening with you in your career, which is like, this is the career that I think is like poo-pooed on right now, which is the career that maybe, maybe isn't your purpose or your passion or whatever, but that you like it or you're good at it, or it allows you to create some impact, but it gives you the time or the benefits or the income Mm -hmm. to pursue your purpose or your passion. Yeah. Right. And I think that I I wrote this post and so many people were like, oh my gosh, I have job number three. And I was feeling really crappy about myself and feeling like maybe I need to push my side hustle to become my main hustle. And I'm just like, no, y'all, like there is beauty in, in these jobs and, and, and we do not need to, you know, all of us to be jumping into or doing our purpose and our passion. So mm. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I get it. And and just, uh, there is no shame in the game, y'all. I just, you know, like, I just feel like everyone's supposed to be on Shark Tank right now. And I'm like, <laughs> can we just live? Can we just get benefits? Can we just have a 401k? Anyway, yeah. so that, yeah, it's a little side tangent, but I really wanted to say that. No, I, I love that so much. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like that's part of the reasons why I want to bring these kind of conversations to the, this, to, in, within this podcast is I want it to become normal. Like we're all on our different paths. Like, and I love what you said earlier about like, you know, you, we have this tendency to be like, well, that person over there is doing this and look at them in their career. And like, we just, we lose focus on ourselves because we're so busy comparing ourselves to what we think someone else is doing or what, yes. what we think someone else is feeling because we don't actually yes. know, you know, And that's just a lesson I'm constantly having to like remind myself, like, stay here, stay focused, stay present. I actually had like a kind of a revelation last weekend where I was like, I don't need to chase anymore. Yes, I'm manifesting these things and I want this and I want that. That's great. That's beautiful. I was like, I don't need to, I don't need to chase it anymore because I'm actually already here. I'm already there. I'm just refining. I'm just refining. Okay. That could be a little bit different. Okay. That could be a little bit better, but like, I'm happy. I'm content. Like, I feel good, you know, where I am. I don't need to con- constantly put myself on this cycle of like, well, that's not good enough. Going back to that good enough piece because God knows right. oh, I have had to heal. Yeah. I'm still healing a lot around different layers yes. and aspects of not feeling good enough or not belonging. Like when you mentioned that mm. earlier, I was like, yes, like that was like my whole childhood was just like, I don't belong here. I don't fit in. Like, why am I here? You know? Yeah. It, it's been a journey. It really has been a journey. And I let's see I hit my spiritual awakening the end of 2018 and then you Mm -hmm. and I started working together that following summer so I was like Mm -hmm. super fresh new and before that we had met at Hill House you were on a panel discussion and that's when I came to you that's when I really started getting that strong nudge strong Mm -hmm. like I need to leave my job like I I didn't even know I wasn't happy (laughs) like until I kind of hit this spiritual awakening I was like whoa like Mm -hmm. this sucks like, what am I, where am I? <laughs> and, and yeah, and I just kind of started feeling that pull. And the one thing I will say, um, and I, cause I would love for you to talk about this. And I've been talking, bring this up a lot with like different healers and guides and stuff that I've, that I've been in discussion with, but like, I'm not going to lie to you, Sharin girl. I definitely came to you like, Oh, what is the recipe? Please tell me the ABC. What do I need to do next? I'm trying to get up out of here. I'm trying to leave. Like you got it. Please give it to me. <laughs> And it was a very long journey of realizing that's not how healing works. (laughs) Yes, 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 it is. And um, if anyone tells you that they have the formula, they're a liar, do not work (laughs) with them. Like if they're like, yeah, you just gotta do these three things and you'll you'll be set for life. And um, yeah, there is no one formula for each person and it's so personalized. I mean, there's, you know, um, my... On Instagram, my little tagline is I teach women how to become their own healer and leader. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really my mission is I believe we are all our own healers. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we all are our own leaders when it comes to our lives and the trajectory you want to go on. And my work is to give you the tools. I give you, I give like my clients, like they're always like, oh my God, this is so much. And I'm like, I give you a lot of tools because maybe four of them are going to resonate or maybe five years from now, you're going to be like, Oh, that one thing she said, that's going to be really helpful. Um, and that's the work that I really want to do is, is to give you all these ideas and tools and concepts and lessons 
that are going to allow you to understand how to craft your own life. And when things go difficult, how to like get back on course or whatever, or change the course, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to do. Because for me, the greatest testimony is my clients don't work with me forever. They don't. And I get emails from them years and years later on, especially now after five years, like I Mm -hmm. actually get people who work with me in year one and they're doing new things and different things. And they are still using the tools that we have because it's just, they're so universal to, to, to everything, but also personal to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So yes, there is no formula. There are certain things that are really helpful, but no one's going to be able to come in there. And, you know, this is why I think like diets, even though I'm so anti-diet, I think the reason why diets are so intoxicating Mm -hmm. because someone's just saying to you, Hey, eat these things. And you're going to be like a whole different person in six Mm -hmm. months. And Mm -hmm. we really want to believe that. And it's almost the same thing with our own lives. Just like read these four books, do these three things. And you're going to have a new career. You're going to have a new partner. You're going to live in a new state. (laughs) And that's just not how it works. Um, And that's really hard to understand, but it's also the beauty of, of this process. It's, 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 it's a practice and yeah. it's, it's a journey and you're constantly learning. Like I'm, I have my own podcast. I'm so candid on my own podcast about like stuff I do and stories. I, I share through story. Cause I'm like, I need you to understand that like, I am no different than you. Mm-hmm. And what I talk about, I am practicing hard. Yeah. So yeah. yes, I totally resonate with that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I really wanted to touch on compassion mm. because you have such like your light, your energy is so sweet. It's so compassionate. It's so kind. And I feel like, especially when you and I were working together, like I was still very much in that like shell of like, I have to power through. I have to be hard on myself. I have to like tell myself no and be disciplined. Like that was just a lot of like, just rhetoric in in internalized trauma and stuff that I've gotten from like childhood and like my mom god bless her soul I love her to death but she just carries so much masculine energy there was a not very much compassion <laughs> yeah. and so here I am pandemic a year later after we're working together and I'm like journaling out I remember the clearest day I'm journaling out And I can't remember exactly what the prompt was, but I was looking for like an expander around compassion. I was like, I need more compassion. I was like, I'm not very compassionate with myself because that wasn't modeled to me. Mm. And I was like, who, like, who, who, who's in my life is compassionate? And then you came up and I was like, oh my God, I was like that, like, she was so compassionate, so gentle, so loving. Like every, every time we connected, whether it was one-on-one or like in a group session, like I just felt so like nurtured. And I was like, that's what I was, that's what I was missing. Like, that's what I didn't have growing up. This is why I think the way I think and I feel the way I feel. Like I didn't have anyone telling me it's okay if you mm. didn't do X, Y, Z, A, B, C this way, you know? Yeah. And so I'm just so confused, not confused. I'm so curious how you were able to c- cultivate that. Is that something that was modeled for you and your upbringing? Is that something that you've had to learn through your personal journey? Oh my God, not at all. Immigrant household, <laughs> Middle Eastern? No. no, 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 no. Like a lot of people listening, if you are, you know, again, from the uh, just marginalized, you know, the, mm-hmm. I love the new, the new term, which is um, cultures of the global majority. Okay. Right? I've never yes, heard cultures that of the global majority. That's us. 
Yeah. Like I think many of us were not shown what compassion looks like, especially compassion, self-compassion, right? Mm -hmm. Like that kindness towards others perhaps was there, but that kindness towards ourselves wasn't really taught because we didn't see it with our family members. And I think, you know, we have this in society, but then in certain cultures and in certain family units, it's very much the more I criticize them, if I'm critical, self-critical, I will get far, right? Mm -hmm. That again, like I said at the top, which is like, if I'm content, with myself and with how things are, things aren't going to change. And compassion to me. So I have a course called inner compass and I have Mm -hmm. a module in the course called, um, I think it's like getting shit done. So it's like the module about like, okay, let's take all these concepts and now let's like do something big. Mm -hmm. And in that module, I talk about compassion Mm. and people are like, wait, well, how does that relate? And I'm like, without compassion, you actually can't do anything. And, And here is why. So in order for us to make our dreams come true or in order for us to do anything that's like different and and um, out of our realm of comfort, mm. it requires us to really understand on a deep level that we're probably going to fail at some point along the way. Maybe not fail the entire dream, but the like, oh, that person we wanted to partner with or that thing we did or that first launch we had or that first podcast we did. We just have to, you have to understand that failure is how we innovate, right? Mm. Failure and making mistakes is a big part of the process. And I think a lot of us can understand that kind of on like a rational, tangible level in our brains, right? Like, oh yes, like mistakes and failure are part of the process. Mm -hmm. Talking about failure, fear of failure is also a big part of that course. It's a big part of what we do because like navigating that is like, oh my gosh, that's a thing unto itself, right? How can we shift our mindset around failure to understand that like, Failure, right, is part of innovation. Like a scientist, in order to find the cure for something, has to conduct conduct thousands of experiments. And we don't call those experiments failures, mm-hmm. right? We just call those experiments knowledge, right? New knowledge that we can apply to, to the next step, right? Mm-hmm. So that we can spend a whole podcast talking about. But I think that one of the biggest reasons we're so afraid of failure is not the judgment of others. It's that we are so unkind to ourselves on the other side. Mm. We're actually afraid of the version of ourselves that's waiting for us on the other side of a failure or a mistake, Mm. right? The things we say to ourselves, the nights we spend like up because we're just ruminating and obsessing over that thing we did. We are such bullies to ourselves on the other side of a quote unquote mistake or a bad decision or a failure. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of compassion is that if you can make a mistake and then be kind to yourself, be like, oh man, oh, that did not go the way that I wanted to, mm-hmm. but that is okay. That's okay. We're going to look, we're going to see what we did. We're going to take a moment and cry. We're going to love on ourselves. We're going to like, whatever we need to do, then we can actually take the next step. And even if we fail on the next step, we can take the next one, right? If we can be compassionate towards ourselves, we know that we always have our own back. We will always support ourselves. And honestly, like I cannot reiterate this enough. You mistake your way to the thing. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you just, you just kind of have to. And so compassion is such a big part of that because if you can be so kind to yourself on the other side of that, then you're not afraid of making a mistake, mm. which means that you're not afraid of making decisions. That's Ooh, one of the wee. biggest reasons why people are indecisive. Oh, it's because I don't want to choose the wrong thing, right? Why are you speaking to me right now? <laughs> oh my God. Listen, this is, 
this is stuff that like I have lived through and I live through now, right? Mm-hmm. We're indecisive more often than not, not because we don't know what we want to do, but because we are afraid of choosing the wrong thing, of making mm-hmm. a mistake, right? And if you know that, okay, whatever I choose, I'm going to have my own back and I will figure it out, then you'll make the decisions, right? So compassion is something that I had to learn. It's something I teach. And, you know, I'll give you like the, so there's three pillars of compassion, right? Sometimes people are like, okay, compassion, cool, cool, cool. I'd love that. But like, how do I do that? Mm -hmm. Right. So um, there's an amazing uh, um, scientist, Dr. Kristen Neff. I think she's a social psychologist or a psychologist. Yeah. Her last name is spelled N-E-F-F. Go and buy her books, go watch her YouTube videos, go follow her account. Literally her research is just on self-compassion, just on compassion. Yeah. And reading her work, it like shows that like scientifically shows that people who have compassion Mm -hmm. are more innovative. They're more driven. They're more like their results are more like amazing and happen faster. And like, they're just better human beings and like looking at self-critical people and how they're not taking, they're not making those moves. They're not doing the things, right? So it really scientifically shows you like, okay, I get it that your mind wants to be self-critical, but like scientifically, mm-hmm. it doesn't really work for you, right? Um, but then she breaks it down into three pillars. So those three pillars of self-compassion are self-kindness. Mm. So thinking, how am I, how would I treat someone who came to me? How would I treat a friend or a family member who came to me and they made a mistake or a failure? Like, what would I do for them? So really figuring out what you what you would do and then reflecting back on what you do for yourself in those mm-hmm. moments and then seeing how you can slowly start to integrate those same things. Like for me, it's holding space, it's having kindness, it's being patient, it's having humor, mm-hmm. right? It's reaching out, like all of those things, right? So self-kindness. The second part is common humanity. Common humanity is a reminder that we all mess up, right? Bringing yourself back into like the universal that mm-hmm. like, Sometimes when we make a mistake, we're like, wow, I'm the only dumb, dumb who's ever done something like this, right? Yes. Like it's me. I am the only person. Um, my favorite example to give when I do this, I do a workshop on this for a lot of corporations is um, last summer, I got an email from HBO and it was like hmm. HBO test. And I was like, this is weird. Like it was just like a weird, like it almost was like it was mistakenly sent to me. Mm-hmm. That's odd. Okay. Weeks later, I've forgotten about this thing come to find out that this poor intern had just started working at HBO and was trying to figure out how to use the email server and sent like a test email to thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. (laughs) And what happened in that moment was that people started pouring out with their similar stories of messing up when they were an intern or Mm. messing up with email platforms. That's common humanity, right? Where it's like, yo, listen, I've done the same thing. I'm still alive. I still got a job. I'm still, you know what I'm saying? So common humanity is such a big one too. And the third one is mindfulness. And now mindfulness is a big thing, but to break it down, mindfulness is the ability to be present with how you feel and not to kind of try to ignore it or make it diminish it Mm -hmm. and run away from it, possibly any of those, or not try to over exaggerate it, right? Like Either what we do is like, oh, whatever, that doesn't even matter, but like we're still stewing on it. Mm-hmm. Or we're like, oh my God, this is what I always do. I like, you know, you tip over a glass of water and you're like, I'm a failure. Uh, this is why I'm single. This is why, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, All your shadow comes be, up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a 
it's like, no, 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 no. Like you sent an email to thousands and thousands of people. Okay. Feel the feelings of having that, allow that to be there, Mm -hmm. but don't make this part of some like story of who you are. Right. Um, And so those three pillars, I mean, listen, it's a whole practice, but those three pillars for me are so helpful when I'm having a moment where I'm really judging myself Mm. for something I've done. Yeah. I love that. That was so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I would definitely look up Kristen. Kristen Neff. She's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. I'm, I'm going to really soak that in because that that's the recipe right there. yeah it's the recipe can, that's it's the, the recipe. recipe yeah that that compassion piece is so beautiful and um going back to what you were saying about being indecisive and I literally <clears throat> excuse me the other day I struggled with being indecisive and, and like mm. having the inspiration I'm a, I'm a very mental person so I, ha- I get the inspiration I'm excited all these ideas all these thoughts and then it's like the taking action parts like well let's just sit on it Let's just, you know, mm-hmm. let, let's not make mm-hmm. any hasty decisions. And I know I, when I, every time I kind of do that deep work, it always comes back to, I don't want to make the wrong choice. Right. I don't want to make the wrong choice. I don't want to make the wrong choice. And I literally, the, this is like a couple of days ago, I kind of had like, cause so the, the medicine that I use is the chakras. And so that's a part of my course and my teaching is teaching people how to connect with the chakras and then layering, layering mm-hmm. that with emotional self-care and emotional mm-hmm. healing. And so I realized I'm really getting deep into my root chakra. And I was like, when you make decisions, you make it a life or death situation. This is why mm. like you freeze. Cause it's like mm-hmm. the wrong choice is death. Like yeah. that's how my young brain, inner child, shadow, yeah. whatever it is, like computes that information. And it's the smallest thing, Sharin, like a project at work. Should I go to the grocery store? Should I yeah. not? Do I have time? Like, I don't want to rush. Like, you know, it's like, my whole life because you know it's a layer and I really was like okay we have to work on that we really have to work on that like what are you so afraid of like why is being Mm. wrong quote-unquote because there is no wrong but why is there being wrong like why does that feel like death to you like why is there so much fear around that you know I mean listen like so I love that you have that realization I think that's gonna like that's amazing I would right sometimes we don't even know have to have to know where it comes from mm. for me in that situation, having that realization in those moments where I'm feeling right. Like, it, it, cause you know, when something is not like it's, it's a trigger from the past or something when it, it feels overwhelming, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm just deciding like what I want to eat for lunch or, but it could be bigger, right? Like mm-hmm. whether I want to launch this thing or not, I would sit with myself and just be really tender and kind and be like, okay, I realize that a part of us really feels like this is life or death, but I mm. promise you it's not like talking to yourself, like a loving parent. Like, I promise you, this is not life or death. I promise you we got this. And sometimes I'll even do, um, not bargaining, but I'll be like, okay. And if X, Y, or Z happens, you know, we'll stop, yeah. we'll stop, we'll go back, we'll reassess, we'll whatever. So it's like having that moment with yourself of really, right. If it's coming from that inner child part of treating mm. yourself like that parent or that guardian, but Mickey, I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who are very similar to you, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I have this, it's, 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 it's not the same trigger, but like, for me, it's like, oh, there's a best way to do this. And I have to mm. do this the best way. And if I don't launch this website, the best way, and it's just, I can get caught up in that. And that part of me that thinks that if I'm not perfect, then it's going to be a failure. No one will want it, and I, you know? Right. And so it's just sitting with myself, loving myself, but really y'all there is no best or perfect way to do anything. It's just 
whatever feels best for you in that moment. And there's this beautiful Rachel Cargo quote that I love. And, and, and I quoted her from like a talk I saw her do. Mm-hmm. It's not even in a book or anything, but you know, she was talking about self-trust and Oof. you know, she's, yeah, that's a big part of this too. Right. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, risks aren't as risky when all, when I realized that all I was taking a risk on was myself. Mm. Right. And she's like, I trust myself now that if I take a leap and I'm on shaky ground, I will be able to find my footing again. Mm. And that if I take a leap and I find solid ground, I will take off running. Mm. Oh, and so wow. I think, yes. Yeah. I love that quote. And, and I think about that all the time where I'm like, do I trust myself to figure this out on the other side, regardless of what happens? And the more and more you really ask yourself that, and the more and more you realize that you can trust yourself, right? Decisions become a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but listen, I'm also, I'm also, I have an indecisive part of me too. Um, but something I've really learned recently is that the right decision is not always the easy decision, mm. right? And so that's a mind, mind F word. I don't know. <laughs> But recently, and I shared this on my podcast, um, my husband and I had to cancel our wedding like two months before. Mm, and, oh, I, remember you, I remember the newsletter you sent out about that. Yes. And, and it was the right thing to do. Mm. And it was the right decision to make. And when I made that decision, I felt like I can breathe again. But it was like the hardest thing, right? So I think that's also part of this too, is like, it, it's just, as you know, growth and doing these things and taking these risks, it's, it's like people think it's going to be this magical unicorn mushroom, like, uh, I was going to say not mushrooms. Oh my God. Marshmallow, marshmallow Marshmallow. land, candy land, candy land. It's not, it is. There's a, there's moments of absolute beauty and there's moments of absolute pride in which you realize, holy crap. Like I did the hard thing Mm -hmm. and the hard thing allowed for this beauty and this amazingness and this ease and this joy. Um, but there's some moments where it's like really tough. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really learning to accept that process as well and, and, and taking it take, taking it more with, with grace. Yeah. And going back to what I was saying earlier about like just refining and not chasing anymore. Mm. That's another realization I had very recently. I was like, in order to be refined, you need that friction. You need the thing that's going to smooth you down and, and like shine you up and soften this edge and soften that edge. And I was like, that's, yes, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> like you yes. do need those challenges. That's what's going to make you sharper. That's what's going to make you a little bit more compassionate even, Yes, you know? Yes. And it's such a fine line, right? Um, I wrote a post like last year. Um, I had read that like, so when salmon swim upstream, mm-hmm. which is like this really difficult process, it's like, um, it's, it's, you know, they kind of arrive like bloody and battered and whatever. When they swim upstream, they know and now that I'm saying it, I'm like, how do people know what salmon are thinking? But <laughs> scientists tell us, so when salmon are swimming upstream, they know that if they're at a part of the stream, that's like a little too easy, mm-hmm. but that's not where they should be because it's a little too easy. The current is easier because there's a rock or um, a log or something oh. upstream that's actually blocking that. And so they know they're going to get to that. And then they're totally effed, mm. right? And so they know that there is like, there is they want ease, but they don't want it to be too easy. Right. Mm. Because they know that they're avoiding something. Right. I, in this post, I said, is it easy or are you just avoiding? Right. Because when we're avoiding, we're going to get to that log or that rock and it's going to be really hard to navigate it. It's possible, Mm. but it's going to be really, really hard. Right. 
So it's this beautiful balance of all of this. Like I want us all living a life of softness and ease, yeah. but also realizing that there's a difference between ease and avoiding what we kind of need to face or do, or the conversations we need to have with ourselves and others. Yeah. 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 And I've been having to really take a hard look at myself around that because I'm very avoidant. Mm-hmm. very avoided we all are but like I get it I get that Mickey <laughs> on a deep level yes yeah so I'm really working on that um so okay a couple questions that I have before we wrap up that I realize we haven't really touched on one question I really want to ask you is what does following your intuitive guidance look like for you or feel like so we talked about this a little bit earlier, which is like listening to your body. Mm-hmm. For me, my intuitive guidance is in my body. Mm-hmm. And um, I can tap into it in the moment. I, you know, my morning routine is really important to me because it helps ground me. Um, I don't, I don't get a lot of intuitive guidance there, but having those moments of grounding, I can tap into it later on and I can really feel into it. But now because I've been so practiced at it, you know, I have this, um, practice I do with clients um, and in my group programs where it's this exercise called I knew better Hmm. and I ask you to think of a moment in your life when you said I knew better and whenever we say I knew better it means that we had an intuitive download Hmm. and we decided not to listen to it right because sometimes I have clients who are like well I just don't have this and I'm like well have you ever said I knew better and they're like yes I'm like okay well that means that you did know what was best for you and so it's looking at that moment where you decided to not listen to yourself. Um, and if you can cue into what tried to, ex- like, how did that intuition or that voice express itself mm. to you? Some people can cue into that. Some people can't, but the question that everyone can answer is what talked you out mm-hmm. of listening to yourself? So what talked you out of it? I know, like, especially when I'm really deep into things with my wedding, I could, there's certain voices that come up. There's certain feelings that come up. There's certain judgments and beliefs that come up for me that I'm like, oh, wait a second. I'm, I'm, this is the thing I do when I'm trying not to listen to myself. Okay. Mm. Okay. 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 Then I like try to ground or try to cue into, I'm like, what is the thing I'm trying to run from? Cause usually you're trying to run from Mm -hmm. that guidance. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of different things I have to do. Um, but that's that, that question that exercise is such a helpful one I love that of knowing what talks you out of listening yeah Mm -hmm. what talks you out of listening to yourself and when you find yourself in that place again it's just getting still and calm and and being like okay what am I actually what's meant for me and what am I trying to avoid um Mm. listening to so that's what that that. looks like and and listening to your intuitive guidance oftentimes means that you're doing things that don't make sense to other people and sometimes things that don't make sense to you either yes so it can be scary, but it's really, really wonderful and fulfilling on the other side. I promise you, I promise. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I love that. Okay. And lastly, what does creativity mean to you? Oh gosh, creativity. Creativity is everything. And I think creativity, whether you think you're creative being or not, you are, mm-hmm. right? We are creating from the moment we open our eyes to the moment that we close our eyes. and creation can be, you know, some of us are very, um, tangible in a creation. Like we create art, like literally, like I'm like, I'm on TikTok and these people who can create like macrame, crochet, I'm like, you're amazing. <laughs> but like, I also know I, I create through story and I create yeah. through moments and I create through experiences. And I think that creativity is such a foundational pillar 
and making us feel really alive. Mm. Right. And so, and, and again, like you are creating, right. You are creating all the time, but if you, you have to start acknowledging, Oh, that, that I just created that. I created that mm-hmm. meal or I created that moment or create that's all creation. And I think mm. it's a really, really important, important pillar of us being human. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. Any final thoughts, words of wisdom, tips, advice you want to leave with the oh my people? Gosh, this has been such a great, I'm like, let's keep talking. Um, <laughs> this has just been such a great conversation. And I just think, you know, I think we all need to trust our own timelines. You know, um, this is something I struggle with too, where I think I should be somewhere I'm supposed to be doing something. And sometimes I'm comparing my timeline to others or my timeline to where a former version of me thought. I should be. Um, And what I have really experienced in my life is things happen when they're supposed to. So have that dream in your heart, have that thing and be working towards it, be planting the seeds and nurturing it and watering it, but also know that things have their own trajectory and they're supposed to happen on their own timeline. And just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just that timeline piece. Cause I know, especially sometimes we can really feel like time is working against us or that mm-hmm. we're behind or we're not there and no, just, just allow it to flow. Yeah. Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for being here today like this our conversation and just being able to reconnect is a complete full circle moment for me because when I came into your course and just knowing who you are I was just at such a place of just like just needing a change needing a shift needing something different I didn't know what that was or what that looked like and when I think about where I am now where I am now so much of it is because of my time with you in, in taking oh. your course. So I just want to say thank you so much. I'm like beyond, beyond grateful. I was like holding this to the end. I was like, when is this going to come up? But I, I, this is coming up now. I'm so grateful. Like you, I wish I could tell you everything. <laughs> I really wish oh, I could just man. tell you everything, but, but no, yeah, like you have had a huge and significant impact on where I am today and just my experience with just spirituality and growth and following my intuition and yeah so I'm so blessed oh. and so 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 grateful that we that we cross paths like I can't even yeah <laughs> oh, thank you I mean I'm I'm like getting very much on your like goosebumps as you talk um for me oh man when I hear stuff like that from people who who work with me in any capacity and, and I just it just kind of like it fills my heart with so much joy that's why I do the work that I do. And, and also like, that's really my mission is like, I, I just feel like the beauty that you get to create now is going to have this huge ripple effect. And, and, and sometimes like, I know you do healing work. And so sometimes I feel like as facilitators, as healers, as teachers, if you really sat down and thought of like the impact and like what, and I don't know, like, I feel like my mind would explode or something. So like, I feel like I, I can't think about it too much mm-hmm. um but then I have moments like this where I'm like oh wow like that's amazing so yeah, thank you you're for amazing. sharing that with me <laughs> you're amazing Maggie but um thank you so much for sharing that with me and Absolutely. just know that I truly 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 I always say this and I always truly mean it I feel honored and privileged to be a small part of people's journey I really mm-hmm. do and to be able to have just a small little moment in their lives 
And then just seeing what happens from there is like, it's like watching a beautiful, beautiful movie. It's amazing. So yeah. thank you for allowing me to be here. I can't, if I like, listen, I will be on every client's podcast for the rest <laughs> of time. I swear to God, I love y'all. And I, I just, I love y'all so damn much and the work that you're doing in the world. Um, but I'm just so grateful for you. And thank you for spreading your love and your message. Oh, thank, your you. thank you. I was going to say, if you ever have a series on your podcast, where you, where you talk to past clients, hand raised. Okay, <laughs> my assistant will be emailing you. Shortly. I would gladly, <laughs> gladly, gladly share my story. hundred oh, yeah. percent. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So where thank can people so find you if they want to work with you, if they want to follow you on social media? Yes. So you can find me, um, on Instagram at wholehearted coaching. I would really, really recommend getting on my email list. I have like a weekly newsletter. Okay. Um, you can do that by checking out my email list or going to my website, whole, uh, sorry, not my email list, my um, Instagram to find my email list, but you can also go to wholehearted-coaching.com for that information. Um, I also have a podcast yes. called wholehearted coaching, the podcast. And in the fall, cause I open up doors to my offerings seasonally, it's not mm -hmm. open all the time. So in the fall, I'll be opening up doors to my membership, the Alchemy okay. Collective, and also my small group coaching program, um, Wholehearted Woman. So yeah. um, you can also find out more about those by heading to my website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your energy, your insight, your wisdom, all of it. Thank you. I, thank you for having yeah, me, Nikki. I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful. <laughs> but thank you so much. Um, enjoy the rest of your beautiful day. And I, I look forward to reconnecting to maybe even having you back on the show. 100%. The future holds. <laughs> yes, anytime. Thank you so much for having me, love. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, beautiful being. I just want to thank you for listening to this week's episode. If there's anything that you heard in today's episode that really resonated with you, go ahead and send it to a friend who could use a dose of insight or inspiration. And if you're really feeling about it, leave a rating and review, letting us know what you enjoyed about the show. Until next time, bye.